Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 509, coming to you on Wednesday. October 4th, we're going to look forward to USC in Arizona meeting, clashing horns, locking horns, doing all those things Saturday night at the Coliseum, 7.30 p.m. on Espen. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy, email address, Reign of Troy at fansire.com, phone number 818-643-7227, second whisper and show. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you can find your podcasts, we are there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us a review. That'll be awesome, too. Uh, and, of course, here live on YouTube, where we are right now. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mario Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Radio Tour Studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Naratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we're back for another week. Um, we, we put in the, the little episode description over on the YouTubes. Uh, is USC on upset alerts? And Tim in LA is not happy with us. Not happy. Uh, Tim in LA says, upset alert. No, okay. See you guys in the car cast. Bye. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll see. Maybe yeah. it's a little clickbait. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Arizona State, Arizona did just um, almost do something interesting against Washington. USC almost did something very uh, interesting in in the worst kind of way against Colorado. Both games, uh, USC and Arizona, both had games come down to a last-second onside kick. So, yeah. Yeah, We'll Hmm. see. Hmm. We we will see what happens uh, with our our preview, of course. Uh, Tim in L.A. now says he didn't rage quit. Uh, But uh, big shout-out to everyone who's joining us. Uh, live, uh, we always appreciate you guys uh, here on a Wednesday, 5 p.m. If you're on your way home, if you're already home, whatever you're doing, uh, we appreciate you guys as always. Um, but you know what would help grow the show even more? Alicia, do you know what would? DraftKings. Because SC is playing against Arizona. So you know what's happened? Our friends over at DraftKings have upped the ante. DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New users, including our friends in Arizona, can place a $5 bet to instantly claim 
200 bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day you opt in. All you have to do uh, is sign up with our code Reign of Troy. Using our code Reign of Troy not only gets you the bonus bets, but it helps directly support this very podcast, this single one that you're watching right now. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, uh, including USC going on the road next week to Indiana, mm-hmm. you might be staying in Illinois. Either one of those works. Michigan, maybe you're staying in, in Michigan. It all works. All you have to do is use the code of Troy uh, to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is available only to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states such as Arizona, Illinois, in, Indiana, Indiana, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. All right, Alicia, there's plenty of stuff to go on. Let's get straight into the news, shall we? All right, Alicia, we got to start with some injury updates. Uh, Zachariah Branch did not participate in USC's road win last week in Boulder against Colorado. He was limited in practice this week, and the injury is still considered undisclosed. There you go. Yeah, so uh, the reporters at, at practice um, have, have had video of Zachariah Branch in uniform at practice uh, coming out the tunnel from uh, Connor Morissette I've, I've seen. Uh, Lincoln Riley updated that that he is progressing, according to a tweet from Ryan Karchi, but it's still not... Um, a, not clear what the injury is, so we really have no idea whether or not we should expect him to play this week, but he is practicing even if he is limited as a as a practice participant. So we're definitely on Zachariah Branch watch going into Saturday, and uh, I guess we will find out on Saturday <laughs> if, if he's if he's going to play. Yeah, the, the Trojans' uh, number one leader in the in the world in, uh, in punt returns, kickoff returns. Uh he will want to face Arizona, who, spoiler alert, uh, the last place team in the country uh, in uh, punt return yardage. Teams are averaging 25 yards of punt return against Arizona. You know Zachariah Branch wants Ooh. to be back on the field for that game. Absolutely. S- small print on that, literally one return for 25 yards. So who knows what that means. But, um, yeah, the other news, uh, let's talk about Lincoln Riley talking about Eric Gentry and his snap counts. Uh, this is a quote, uh, quote, I think it's just competition. Eric's back full go, but when you miss time that Eric's missed, I mean, he missed all of spring ball, basically the last half of last season. Then he was very limited through all of fall camp. He's healthy, but he's still getting his feet underneath him. He's still getting back to used to being on the field and playing a lot of snaps. We've got a bigger linebacker room than we had last year. It is what it is. There are more good players. I think Eric's going to have a chance to be a prominent, have a prominent role on our team and our defense. I was proud of him the other day that even in a game where he didn't play a million defensive snaps, the punt block was clearly one of his one of the biggest plays in that game. So he's still making an impact. The quality of player he is. If he continues to work hard and stay focused, it's hard to imagine him not getting better and better and playing a pretty big role for us. 
There you go. What do you say? Um, Lincoln Riley's given us a lot of coach speak recently. A little bit. A little bit. Um, I don't think this satisfies my questions about the linebacker snap counts in general because Eric mm-hmm. Gentry had was one of the ones with more snaps against ASU and then turn around for Colorado. It felt like he was one of, he was USC's best linebacker about, against ASU outside of that one huge missed tackle. Um, but the rest of the linebackers continue to miss tackles. The rest of the linebackers continue to miss assignments. And it feels like there is not a consistent standard being placed about who is getting playing time based on how their performance is on the field. And Lincoln Riley can talk about, talk about trained eyes all he wants, but uh, there are some things that you don't have to have a trained eye to sort of understand. And I think what's very clear to me is that Eric Gentry, when he has been on the field, has been a more consistently better option than most of the other linebackers on the field. I think against Colorado, I think Mason Cobb was was not good against ASU. Let's just get that flat out. Certainly in the first right. half, it was not a good 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 game for him. He turned around against Colorado and absolutely responded. had a, had a really strong game for the most part. Um, he might have been SC's best player on defense in the first half, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was really good to see from Mason Cobb. But we continue to see mistakes from someone like Tackett Curtis. We continue to see inconsistency from someone like Rajon Davis. And we continue to see basically none of Shane Lee. And we saw less of Eric Gentry against Colorado for some reason that I do not understand. Now, the one thing I do want to say on this subject, though, is that like while I'm confused about why USC is using is is playing the linebackers that they are playing at the rate that they are playing them, I think that the bigger issue I have here is not necessarily that Eric Gentry is not playing more or that Rajon Davis is not playing more or that Tackett Curtis is playing as much as he is or that we're not seeing any of Shane Lee or any, any of those things. It's that all of the linebackers across the board are generally subpar. (laughs) Like, it doesn't really matter who is in there. Most of the time, the linebackers are the problem on this defense. Uh, And, and, you know, we don't necessarily put a ton of stock in in pro football focus grades because there's a lot of sort of problematic things about uh, even trying to trying to assess a grade if you aren't the coach that's calling the play that knows the assignment that is all of those kinds of things. But like it is noteworthy that USC's highest graded linebacker of the linebacker core that uh, that that sees playing time this year is Eric Gentry. Uh, and then it's Mason Cobb not too far behind. And then it's Rajon Davis and then it's Shane Lee and then way several tiers down below that is Tackett Curtis. And um all of them are in the bottom half of USC defenders across the board. So, like, is this an individual linebacker issue or is this a linebacker issue? And I, I don't, I don't know that those questions are being answered for yeah. for USC fans in a way that uh, I don't think there is a satisfying answer from the coach for 
for what it's worth. I, I think Lincoln Riley could stand there and give 50,000 different combinations of answers and none of them would be very satisfying. But this is an issue that is a major talking point uh, of this season because the missed tackle... The missed tackle percentage for USC's linebackers, according to Pro Football Focus, um, the one who has missed the least number, the, the least percent of his tackles is Shane Lee at fourteen percent, which is still too damn high. Uh, Eric Gentry at twenty percent, which is still too damn high. Mason Cobb at twenty one point nine percent, which is still too damn high. Uh, Tackett Curtis at thirty point four percent, which is way too damn high, and Rajon Davis at thirty point eight percent, which is extremely way too damn high. So I'd love to know a national average for those things to understand what that percentage is. Yeah. Like I, I know that a, a 300 hitter in baseball is good. Like I don't know what a, what a sure tackler percentage is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but comparatively, yeah. 14% versus 30% from Shane Lee to Tackett Curtis is a huge discrepancy. Yeah. 100%. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's there's we know that, you know, injuries are not something that the coaching staff is always wanting to talk about. Uh, they are Riley is seemingly adamant that injuries is not, not the issue here. Um, but I don't know that that's I, I don't know what to believe in in general. You know what I mean? Like like you said, I don't know what what satisfying answer are you truly going to get because if Lincoln Riley just came out and said, "Hey, uh, yeah, Alex Grinch likes Tackett Curtis," um, is that is that going to make people happy? No, I like I I. W- w- what's the satisfying answer? Him to get out there and say, "Yeah, Tackett Curtis sucks this year," and. Uh, we should have had Gentry and all these things. Like, I don't think he's going to say that either. So I, I don't know. It's uh, you, hopefully you you see those things change as as things go forward. Um, I, I'm just pessimistic about the injury thing. I think yeah. the injury thing is it's, it sounds is, like an excuse to me. That's you you think that it's it's more so an excuse than anything? Like like the like the slowing him back in kind of thing. Well, because if they were slowing him back in, then why did he have more snaps against ASU than he did no, against Colorado? That makes sense. Yes. I, I don't necessarily buy the, the slow rollout from from last season thing. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, maybe he's just not always 100%. Maybe there's... Yeah, maybe. And, and, and it's easier to look back and say, well, he's coming off of an injury than it is to say, hey you know, maybe he's not always a hundred percent every day. I don't know. This is just me completely speculating. It means nothing, but I don't know. The, the problem is when, when the results are so off of the board and the, the, uh, the snap count is so different from game to game, from player to player, you can't help but sit in a situation where you're trying to grasp at straws for what the answer really could be. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the problem. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, defensively for the Trojans up on Saturday night at the Coliseum, where let's get right into it. USC hosts Arizona for the very final time. Uh, of course, the Arizona Wildcats came into the conference in 1978 from the WAC, turning the conference into the Pac-10, previously the Pac-8s. Um, what, do, what do you think about the series so far, SC and Arizona? 
I say so far. What what did you think about the series? I guess I got to talk about it in past tense. Um, it it's no offense to Arizona. I feel like it's it's one of the least interesting series that USC has in in the Pac-12. There I mean, have been probably some, there have been yeah. some good some memorable games, but like the ASU series, seemingly a, a little. A little more interesting, more memorable, more interesting. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Marquise Lee has his uh, his Superman crazy game against Arizona. Um, there, there have been some close games, sort of, but yeah, no, no, no. Like, have there been instant classics between USC and Arizona? I, I think so. I think you go back to um, first of all the um, the Marquise Lee game. Yeah, that, but that's Marquis Lee. That's an instant more, classic. Like to me, that's Marquis Lee. It just so happens he yeah. did it against Arizona. Sure, in a losing effort, of course. Yeah, um, Matt Scott uh, puking on the sideline and getting the concussion, <laughs> and like probably yeah. should have never been back in Allowed the game. In the game, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, 2011 was the crazy shootouts, uh, which uh, Barkley set a record for passing yards in a game. There was the the Khalil Tate uh, at the Coliseum third quarter penalty fest. Mm-hmm. Yep, twenty sixteen. Uh, one of the games that I always remember, uh, USC losing in two thousand nine to Arizona. Yeah, in December. So, I I had you know grown up going to every SC home game, but uh, in high school, like doing extracurriculars and stuff, like I ended up missing a few games. Uh, and one of the games I ended up missing was the Stanford game in 2007. The the uh, the, the the upset the, the upset loss. Yeah. Uh, that game I actually stayed home to watch a Cubs playoff game. Very bad decision because the Cubs got swept <laughs> by the D-backs that day. Uh, so I missed the SC losing that game. Uh, earlier in t- 2009, I missed the uh, the Stanford game, the um, the What's Your Deal game because it was my grandpa's funeral. So the Arizona game in 2009 was the first SC home game that I saw the Trojans lose since 2001, which was just so unexpected because that game was so wild. Arizona puts together a drive on like the last, you know, like the three minutes to go. There's these like frat boys, two rows in front of us that were just losing their minds. It it was surreal, surreal. I I just remember. You know what it was? That was the, it was like a, it was a current defense game, but in 2009, which meant they only gave up 21 points, but it felt like 42. Yeah, I remember that game. I don't remember anything about that game. I remember before that game, I went to a tailgate and was talking to people uh, from message boards, and somebody asked me, like, how are you feeling about the game? And I was like, I don't know. I'm I'm worried. I, I, I've got a bad feeling about it. And uh, the person I was talking to was like, oh, no, it's nothing to worry about. And then I just remember, like, during the game, it was like I had a bad feeling. <laughs> and it was like I like that yeah. feeling was was correct. So the 2001 game uh, in Tucson, the game that sparked everything, the uh, the the pick six um, by Chris Richard, the one that uh, if, if you are a big fan of the Pete Carroll era, that's what turned everything around and got SC going. So that's a game I think people will remember forever as well. Uh, but here we are, 2023, the last USC-Arizona game. Uh, the Wildcats 3-2 and two coming into the Coliseum, 1-1 one one in the Pac-12. They've played two games. They've played the best team in the conference and the worst, Arizona, 
barely beat Stanford by a point on the road up on the farm, then hosted Washington at home and nearly beat top 10 Washington last week, losing by a touchdown. So I don't know what to make of these Wildcats. Of course, they're not rated. You look at the, the metrics, they're 49th in SP+, 60th by Jeff Sagrin, and 70th by FBI. Sort of all over the board. Uh, it comes down to injuries at quarterback will be the big storyline uh, this week going into the game. Jaden DeLara, of course, the quarterback, the transfer from Washington State, We've seen him at, at U of A, the gunslingers, the gunslingeriest gunslinger to ever gunsling. <laughs> yes. Jaden Alora nearly beat the Trojans last year in Tucson. He left the Stanford game with, quote, a significant lower injury, leg injury, according to Pete Thamel. Uh, it's come out now that it's an ankle injury. He missed the Washington game in which... Uh, redshirt freshman Noah Fafita came in uh, and made his first start against Washington and nearly beat him. So I don't know what to make of that. We, we don't know what the situation is going to be on Saturday. According to Justin Spears from the Daily Star in Tucson, Jed Fish says quarterback Jaden Delara ankle uh, will start against USC only if he's healthy enough to play. Quote, that would be a safe statement to make. Shrug? Well, we know that he didn't practice at the start of the week. Um, it's hard to say because ankle injuries can be the kind of thing. Like if it was a high ankle sprain or something like that, then you wouldn't expect him to be back at this point. But also ankle injuries are the kind of thing where they will tape it up and just like give you an injection and you'll just go out there and play on it because it's taped up so, so firmly that it, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I am operating under the assumption that until Jedfish says that Jaden Delora will play, you have to assume that Noah Fafita is the guy. Uh, just because uh, if a player doesn't practice at this, if a quarterback doesn't practice at the start of the week, yeah, I, I, I just I think it's probably safe to um, assume that it's a uphill battle for him to get back in time to be ready to play against against uh, to play on Saturday. That's just my read. Yeah, I I I think that's right. I I think that you you look at how the Trojans have been um against Jaden Delara and that's sort of a concern. Noah Fafita, someone who maybe isn't as quite as mobile as Jaden Delara. He's only had 9 carries for like 28 rushing yards this year. Uh, we know that Jaden Delora likes to stay in the pocket as well and look downfield if he can. But uh, Noah Fafita, 74.5% completion percentage so far, a little bit less on the mistake-prone side, uh, which might be more interesting, right? Because the the thing with Jaden Delora, he's going to make the, the great plays. He's also going to shoot himself in the foot. Like, that has been the, the, the key on Jaden Delora. You and I were talking about it, like, if you were going to play Arizona in a one-game situation, you'd hope that Jaden Delora was not the quarterback. If you were going to play them every game for 12 straight games, like a full slate of games, you'd hope that Jaden Delora was the quarterback for all 12. Because in a one-game situation, you could get superstar Jaden Delora. In a 12-game slate, you're going to get up and down and down and back up and like all those different things. 
and I, this is where I wonder if Noah Fafita is some a guy who sort of limited the 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 damage on the mistakes. Only had one interception against Washington. Is thrown for three hundred and one yards so far. Maybe doesn't have the upside of the wow factor that Jaden Delora brings, but if he can reduce the number of mistakes and then funnel the ball over to his incredible playmakers at wide receiver in McMillan and Cowing, maybe that's better for 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 U of A. Like like looking at Twitter, like U of A Twitter is all in on Fafita. I can see it. I can see it because Fafita. Fafita allows um, Arizona to to maybe just have their playmakers uh, at, at the skill positions go make the plays instead of having to rely on the quarterback to make the plays with, like with Jaden Delora. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen we saw Jonah Coleman against Washington break a few runs, break a few screen passes. Uh, they've got um, they've they've got. Obviously, Totoro McMillan, who is an incredible receiver who can make a catch yeah. at every at every sort of level, uh, can't sleep on Jacob Jacob Cowing either. So they have dudes out there. I think that the the counterpoint to the you'd rather have Noah Fafita is when you're playing a USC defense that is vulnerable in one on one situations. I think that Jaden Delora's arm would scare me a hell of a lot. If you're asking. USC's DBs to try to prevent Tatora McMillan or Jacob Cowing from making plays against them when Jaden Delora is slinging it down the field. Uh, I think USC is probably in a in a disadvantaged position in that matchup where Noah Fafita doesn't have the same kind of arm. Yes, he's not going to force it the same way that Delora will force it and get into trouble. Right. But he's also, at least from what I've seen of him watching uh, the Washington game, He's also not quite as capable of just tossing up a 50-50 ball and giving his receiver a chance there. Uh, so I think the ceiling on Arizona's offense is limited. It is more limited with Fafita. But to be totally fair, their floor gets raised by a ton because he's not out there throwing four interceptions in a game. So right. the question I would have is, when you're at home, I think Noah Fafita is a quarterback that can give you a chance to upset Washington. When you're on the road, that's where I think I have a bigger question about whether or not Noah Fafita is the kind of quarterback that can that that could get yeah. pull off an upset against USC like at the Coliseum. Yeah. Where Jaden Delora could do that in theory. Yeah, I don't think the Coliseum is a overly scary place to play compared to, you know, some of the hollowed grounds of college football. Uh, in terms of loud, raucous environments. I think it can be, but it hasn't consistently been that, um, but it's not Stanford. Um, <laughs> Stanford on the road being sort of like your first entry point to like lead a comeback win um, up at Palo Alto. Like that is, a, you know, a completely different atmosphere than he's going to have uh, to face on Saturday night. If yeah. it is Fafita that ends up getting the start. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, let's talk about the rest of this this Arizona offense. Of course, 23rd and SP Plus, um, they like to throw the football. They like to throw the football a lot. Um, we know we talked about the, the wide receivers, McMillan, McMillan and Cowan. Does it worry you, um, SC's ability to cover them? I think the obvious answer is yes, uh, given what happened to Marion Miller last week. 
uh, who didn't have the stats coming into it and the prerequisite honors uh, that like someone like Jacob Cowing did, who was, you know, all Pac-12 second team uh, wide receiver last year. And then McMillan was an honorable mention, right? Like those guys have been known commodities coming into this game, which I think makes it sort of worrisome because these are the best two receivers that SC will have faced to this point in the season. You can make the argument that at the end of the season, these are maybe two of the top five or six receivers that SC will face all year. That's yep. that's the worry, right? Yeah, I mean, very much so a worry. I think that's my, my biggest worry in this game. We have seen USC do to other teams what Tatar McMillan and Jacob Cowing could potentially do to USC. And and by the way, did do to USC along with Dorian Singer last year. Yeah. Which is just win their one-on-one battles. Like, I mean, USC beats Utah in the YOLO ball game specifically because Matt Fink, a backup quarterback, is just chucking it up to his receivers and his receivers are making the play every time mm-hmm. in, in, man, in sort of man-to-man situations. And if Arizona does that, there is a decent chance that th- th- that's what's happened. You know, it, but that's what's what is able to happen. Um, now, obviously, the, the the problem with doing that is that you are in 50-50 situations where USC's DBs could also go out there and make the play. But Tatara McMillan is a guy who will just make those catches like right. all over the place. And the, the one thing you can say is, like, at least Arizona doesn't have Dorian Singer doing the same thing. Because that's, that's the introduction we all got to Dorian Singer was him making, I think it was three absolutely otherworldly touchdown catches right. against good coverage. Um, Tatar McMillan is capable of doing the exact same thing. So this is a worry. This is something that USC has to be alive to. And this is something mm-hmm. that USC has to do... significantly better than they did against Colorado. Yeah. One of the things that I think that SC defensively will be interesting to to see how they match up is strictly when it comes down to scoring. I mean, we know we've talked about this before. Uh, You know, we talked about it two weeks ago with the ASU game. ASU was not scoring at all going in that game and SC gave up 28 points, right? So take that for what, for what it's worth. But this Arizona team, as much as they've got, you know, playmakers that were receivers, especially, they're not scoring a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, 24 points on the road at Mississippi State. Okay, it's a road game uh, against an SEC opponent, whatever. But since then, 31 against a UTEP team that gave up 45 at home to UNLV. 21 points on the road against Stanford. 24 points against Washington seems like you know, an admirable uh, amount to, to, to give, to put on the board, but even against the teams that are, that they should be scoring a lot on, they're not necessarily doing that. So does, do you think that that kind of bodes well for SC if they're struggling to get into the end zone? We look at the points per drive, 2.5, not great. We know, you know, this is a talented offense, but you know, not necessarily performing up to maybe their talent offensively. Yeah, they're they're scoring like in the red zone. I mean, they're moving the ball. Obviously, they're available yards. They're they're a good percentage of available yards, ranking thirtieth nationally. That's that's definitely something to to keep an eye out for. 
Um, but when they get in the red zone, they're only scoring touchdowns on 71% of drives into the red zone. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of middle. They're, this, this Arizona team is so mid, like middle, middling. It, every, all of their stats, everything, it just has them like smack dab in the middle of whatever it is that you're evaluating, whether they're in the Pac-12 or, or nationally. Um, so it's not that they're bad. And like we looked at teams like Stanford and Nevada and, and even Colorado on in some areas and look at they're just like they're straight up bad. This Arizona team, I don't think they're bad in any one area. They're just very middling. Um, and the worry for USC about that is, like you said, Arizona State had come in and not been scoring and mm -hmm. that wasn't didn't seem to be a problem against, right. against USC. Yeah. The big difference in this game and I'm going to probably be bringing this up all, all episode it's at home. Is it's at home. Yeah. yeah. And and Arizona gets Washington uh in Tempe and is able to keep it mm -hmm. close and keep it interesting. But we've seen And we know that Huskies can't perform in the desert because <laughs> the, the desert, paws yeah, like yeah. burn on the Yeah. And USC the, the we yeah. I think a lot of the doom and gloom around USC is also coming off of two road games and right. two difficult sort of tricky road games uh, that they didn't quite rise to the occasion of. But being back home at the Coliseum is a place of comfort uh, that I think also you're putting Arizona on the road. And, we, and as you've said, like we've seen Arizona go on the road and sort of have their own issues the way that every team has their issues on, on the road. So um yeah, it's it's certainly not a um, not a matchup that you can overlook on mm -hmm. on that front when it comes to the the ASU offense, especially going against a USC defense that has so much to prove to us. Right. Yeah. Uh, let, let, by the way, uh, I buried in all of this Arizona's offensive coordinator. Brennan Carroll. Yeah, I love, I love that little detail. I, I looked it up. I'm like... What has he been up to? Yeah, what has he been up to? So he was... Um, he's This is his second year, as I believe, as their OC. The um, the interesting second or third year, he might have been the uh, Jed Fish original hire in 2021. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, I looked it up. He got his first... Uh, full-time job when he was 25 as being SC's tight end coach in 2004. I remember him, you know, in the the fourth and nine game right there, right before the Bush push, being one of the big, like, you know, snap motion guys, like like uh, or um, the, what do you call it? The, the spike motion, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we're going to spike it. We're going to spike it and all that stuff. Um, yeah, he, he was only like 26 at the time. It's crazy. Uh, here he is. He's 44, and now the offensive coordinator uh, of Arizona. Um, let's look to Arizona's defense. Um, we talked about middling. I think this is a sort of middling defense. They're not terrible. Uh, we've seen terrible Washington defense. I mean, Arizona defenses. Uh, this one is not them. Uh, they're also not necessarily a banner defense to discuss either. Uh, points per drive, 59th in the country. Um, this is the team that, you know, on defense, uh, you look at uh, SP Plus on defense is 90 seconds. Not great. That has a lot of preseason factors, of course. But they held Washington to only 31 points on the road. Uh, that's Michael Penix, um, a quarterback just as good as, as Caleb Williams for all intents and purposes when it comes to production. And they held him. He didn't really have the big day 
uh, getting uh, getting the ball to Odunze and all those guys. So, yeah, I I don't know what to make of this defense. They're led by Jacob Manu on uh, at at will linebacker. Forty nine tackles, three ta- three sacks, five and a half tackles for loss, three hurries. I think he's the guy to keep an eye on. Um, outside of that, yeah, they've got you know playmakers at safety. Dalton Johnson, thirty one tackles, but this is a defense that has not forced this, an interception at all this season. They sort of have a turnover issue because of that, because you look at their turnover margin is negative five on the season. A lot of that came because they were super turnover happy in Starkville to, to go on the road and play Mississippi state in week two, but they're also just the, that negative numbers because they're not forcing turnovers themselves. They're not exactly turnover prone outside of that game on offense, but on defense, they're just not forcing turnovers. Zero interceptions. One of five teams in the country not to have forced an interception this year, which is interesting when you look at the team, the other five, the other four teams of those five. It's Arizona, Arizona State, New Mexico, New Mexico State, and UTSA. <laughs> Alicia, put those on a map and circle it. They're all next to each other. UTEP, by the way. The school in the middle of that circle, one interception. So, How, like, what? What is it? Like, does it make any sense to you? It's weird. Some something in the air. Something in the air means no interception. I would say it's like what, whatever the reverse of a no fly zone. It's yeah. It's, it's the the no pick zone. The no pick zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's that's a weird statistical quirk. I love I love a weird statistical quirk. I will say, but yeah. Uh, I I will admit I watched the Arizona defense against Washington. I watched it live and then I went back and watched a cut up of, uh, of the game. And I still can't tell you how Washington only scored 31 points. Like they drove, they, 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 they were driving. They didn't have a ton of really explosive play that a bunch of like 10 to 15 yard plays. They didn't really, go crazy with the, the, the 20, 30, 40 yard plays. Um, so maybe it's just that Arizona was able to keep things in front of them a little bit. They did get a, a fumble recovery in the red zone late in that game that helped a, that helped Arizona move towards their, their comeback attempt. Uh, but, but there was nothing necessarily about the, the defense except for they didn't make big mistakes that uh, that that limited Washington. It felt like to me more like Washington's uh, that penalty issues and like the things that happen to teams on the road when they're just out of sync. Right. And the credit I'll give to Arizona's defense is that they didn't make the big mistakes. They were generally sure tackling. They were generally keeping things in front of them. They weren't getting burned over the top. Uh, Michael Penix is very capable of killing a team over the top with his with his passing, and they 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 kept things in front of them, which is something to think about for USC because USC's offense is also going to try to beat you the way that uh, that Washington you know it, with with explosive plays and all of that. And if Arizona is able to sort of keep things in front of them, force USC to drive, and then let USC make the mistakes, that's going to prevent USC from scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a winning formula. Yeah. The difference again is that this is not in Tempe. This is at the Coliseum, and USC isn't traveling. Tucson. They're, sorry, Tucson. 
uh, isn't USC isn't traveling and USC is back at home where we know that you, the USC offense uh, certainly is more efficient than they were in the in the previous two weeks on the road. So uh, this is a really tough matchup for Arizona's defense, but it's a tough matchup for everybody's defense. The thing that yeah. I'm most curious about is that Arizona's defense has been quite good against the run this year. They're 23rd uh, this year in rush defense, holding teams to under 100 yards per game. We know that USC doesn't necessarily, well, we know that USC chooses not to run, but the run game is also something that USC needs to be able to establish more often in games, more consistently in games, um, in order to have the balanced offense that they that, that theoretically you want to have. Right. And we saw USC not necessarily be able to set the tone in the gr- on the ground against Colorado. So I would want to see USC try to set the tone on the ground in this game, but Arizona has proven capable of standing their ground against the, the the run. I'm very curious about this matchup between their front, their their defensive front against a USC offensive line that I think is underperforming at this point. So that, that's definitely the thing I have circled. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Trojans back at home. Maybe having something to prove um, coming off of the the you know, the win against Colorado, but like if you're the offense, you want to prove that the, that fourth quarter was an anomaly. Yeah. Where SC had three straight drives at the end that did not end up in points uh, and kind of helped the game sort of implode defensively because if they would have been able to score, they could have at least done their part uh, to prevent the implosion. But I, I want to see what happens in the run game because we know that Lincoln Riley has come out and said, you know, this this week that they should have run the ball more, they should have done all those things. Is, is it uh, is it fan service? Maybe, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of concerted effort to like make make a point uh, in running the ball more on Saturday at the Coliseum against Arizona. I don't know. We're 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 gonna see. Uh, this is a rush defense that is, you know, probably well, significantly better than Colorado's was going in because you know that Colorado's defense was not great on the ground. So uh, I don't know. We're going to see how that all comes together uh, that way. Um, at least we got a bunch of stuff to get to, including over under, though. So um, let's just get to it, shall we? So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, everybody. Let's get to... Uh, good old over under coming into the week. I have a lead 16 and 14 is my record. 15 and 14 is yours. Uh, let's get to the over under picks. Uh, USC and Arizona Saturday night ESPN. Your first over under is what? I'm going 4.5 Arizona plays of 20 or more yards. Now, Classic. Yeah. Well, this year, absolutely. Maybe I just I, this is just going to be a, a, a feature of over under until it stops being a thing. The reason I said it at four point five is that USC is averaging five point eight twenty yard plays allowed per game. I repeat, five point eight twenty yard plays per game. Uh, Arizona's offense averages four point four twenty yard plays. Per game. So I set it at 4.5. Uh, is it going to be above Arizona's average is basically what I'm asking. Wait, wait, hold on. You said SC allows f- how many per game? 5.8. 20 
per game. Per game. Or can can now, I just say that I looked up? Um, Iowa has allowed six in the entire season. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Eesh, yeah. Uh. So I I have some thoughts on this before I let you make your pick. I'm gonna try and get to them quickly so that we don't uh, we don't go over here too much, but. This is the most damning stat I found about the defense, by the way. Uh-oh. Five- Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. I don't know that you can understand what 5.8 points per game. Oh, sorry, not points. We'll call them explosive plays per game. Sure. Uh, just for ease. When I say an explosive play, I mean 20-yard plays. How bad this is. So UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12 this year at preventing explosive plays. They only allow 1.7 per game. They're doing a very, very good job of it. Mm-hmm. Stanford, the team that USC took to task and absolutely rolled completely over, uh, allows 4.8 per game. Arizona, a, a defense that is, as we've talked about, I mean, uh, uh, um, yeah, defense that, as we've talked about, not, not too great, 4.8 per game explosive plays. Stanford and Arizona are 10th and 11th in the Pac-12 this year because somebody else is 12th in this metric. Somebody else is 12th. And as you might have already guessed, it's USC. Stanford and Arizona allow, or more aptly, USC allows one full explosive play per game more than the next worst defense in the Pac-12. That is how bad USC's defense is playing in terms of preventing explosive plays. Every 12 plays that USC's defense is on the field, they give up an explosive play of 20 yards or more. Every 12 plays. Not good. That's 7% of USC's plays that they have on defense are for 20 or more yards. Like, this is extremely bad. Last year, across the entire season, the the defense that we saw USC field, which we all know was not good enough, allowed 5.3 per game. USC's at 5.8. And they haven't played Washington yet. They haven't right. played Notre Dame yet. They haven't played Oregon yet. Those three teams, Washington's number one in explosive plays, by the way, those three teams are top 15 in terms of creating plays that go for 20 or more yards. And USC hasn't even played them yet. And they're already averaging 5.8 per game. It is astoundingly bad. And the only good news about this is that if USC somehow found a way to just not give up that many explosive plays, the defense wouldn't be in trouble. Well, But they are because that's what they're doing. But th- this is what we've talked about before, right? Like, we the, Nev- the Nevada game was... was- quintessentially it right they yeah they gave up three plays that was half of nevada's yards and the other like 70 something plays were the rest of the yards right like i wonder if you parsed out all the information for for plays that that allow 19 and fewer yards uh, if you take the yards for play and all those plays and then the plays that are 20 plus yards and you so you just take those out I bet SC's yards per play is pretty good. It's not, yeah, it's probably not that bad. Because this is the problem. is It's the big plays. And outside yeah. of the big plays, SC does make the stops. But the ones well, that they don't just absolutely tanks everything else to the point that you can't even 
you, you can't you can't actually sit there and say yeah but what if because there's just too many of them yeah you could you can be playing really well for 11 plays but on that 12th play you're giving up 20 plus yards right that's you're just going to be a bad defense when you're doing it that way for the record as i said arizona averages the arizona's offense averages 4.4 explosive plays per game they had one play of of explosive play against washington it was a 33 yard um screen pass to jonah coleman so that's certainly something that usc should keep an eye out considering the screens that usc has gotten in trouble against but uh yeah i I set the over under at 4.5 um i didn't want to go higher than that just because that's just really high but yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know i could have gone higher on that well, I am going to go lower because I am taking the under here uh, over under four and a half, 20 plus yard plays. Here's, here's my, here's my rationale for it. And this will lock you into the over, by the way, if you would have set this line at five and a half, um, well, sorry, if you would have set this line at three and a half, I would have taken the over four and a half means they have to give up five 20 plus yard plays. I think Arizona is surely capable of it when you have the receivers that they do with McMillan and Cowan. But if Fafita's the quarterback, I think maybe they take less risks downfield, less chances that I don't know that I would bank on those big plays. Uh, if Jaden Delara was healthy and you knew he was going to be healthy going in this game, I think it's a different, I think it's a different boat for me. So give me the under. I, I feel you, but I am so glad that I baited you into taking that on there. Sure. We'll, 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 we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Uh, let's go to my first over under is over under 35 and a half percent. That is USC on third down. The Trojans are averaging 44.7% on third downs this year, but that is buoyed by one great performance in week one against San Jose state because the Trojans are 33% or less than three of the four games since then. They were, in the last two weeks, 33 and 30%. It's not been good. Uh, Arizona's third down defense pretty middling uh, at 39.4%. Can they hold the Trojans to uh, below 35 and a half? That's the line. Over under 35 and a half USC third down conversions. I'm going over on this specifically because USC is going back home. And I think that things are going to even out a little bit more in terms of the efficiency and effectiveness of this offense. Um, I think I personally am ascribing a lot of the the weird out of syncness of the offense the last couple of weeks to being on the road. So taking the over there. All right. Uh, that locks me into uh, the under. We'll see how that goes. Uh, what's your next over under? What do you got? Yeah, 4.5 Dorian Singer touches. I, I did touches just in case, you know, there's a, a a weird handoff, like extended handoff sweep, whatever kind of thing. Um, but Dorian Singer, notably a former Arizona Wildcat, uh, but he's only averaging 2.4 catches per game this season. There's been a lot of discussion about whether or not he's being used enough or whether or not he's involved enough. Uh, he had a season high of four catches against San Jose State, which is why I set my line at 4.5 because I think it's really a question of will we see a season high from him in mm-hmm. terms of catches? Uh, no USC receiver, though, is averaging more than 3.6 receptions per game. That's Taj Washington's average. So in general, USC is spreading it around a lot. 
uh, the, a lot of guys are catching passes, not not a lot of guys catching a lot of passes. So will we see Dorian Singer be more active against his former team uh, or will his, his sort of usage continue to be right around where, where it's been? Yeah, there is nothing I subscribe to less than the idea that Dorian Singer is being underutilized at USC. Um, I get that his numbers, uh, 12 catches and 154 yards, 157 yards, three touchdowns, are not what he transferred for. I thoroughly understand that. But look at the rest of everything else. Mario Williams has 15 for a buck 80. Like, the ball gets so distributed all over the place. Uh, Taj Washington and Brendan Rice have you know, more yards than those guys, but those guys also have like multiple 70 yard touchdowns under their belts. So I, I am, I'm, I'm not buying the idea that he gets underutilized. There's just too many good receivers and Caleb Williams distributes the ball all over the place. It's a good problem to have in the grand scheme of things, but four and a half is just too high for me. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I, I think that he could have four catches and have a hell of a game. Um, he doesn't necessarily need to have a million to have an input on this game. So I'm going to take the under. I feel you. I'm just now hoping that USC goes out of their way to target him. It would be cool. It'd be a good story. Him against his former, former team. Uh, let's go to my next over under, which is going to be over under three and a half Arizona first quarter points. Here we are back with early game scoring for USC's opponents. Arizona has not scored a single point in the first quarter against an FBS opponent this season. Zero. Zero points. <laughs> Zero points. Um, in four games, they did play NAU. They scored seven uh, in the first quarter against uh, the Lumberjacks, but... Uh, zero against an FBS opponent. The Trojans have only allowed 14 points in the first quarter all season. Pretty solid. Uh, a touchdown to Nevada on a 70-something yard play that set up like a you know two-yard touchdown or whatever it was. Uh, and then ASU scored a touchdown um, back a couple weeks ago uh, on a short field after a fumble. Those are the only two blemishes that SC has allowed in the first quarter. So Does Arizona get in on the board? Three and a half is the line, so they can get a field goal, and that's still under here. Three and a half points is the line. It's funny that you bring up that Arizona State score mm -hmm. in the first quarter because that was the subject of another over-under because Arizona State had not scored uh, in, what was it, six quarters? And so we were sort of guessing how many quarters until they were going to score against USC. And that promptly got to, got taken care of almost immediately. So yeah, I am taking the over here just because the universe likes to be funny about these kinds of things and something weird and random in the first quarter will happen and, and Arizona score a touchdown and everyone will freak out, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just playing the, playing the odds here. I think, okay. I think the, the, the funniest outcome is definitely Arizona scoring on their first drive. Yeah, because they haven't all year. Yeah, uh, we will see. We will see. Uh, let's get to your last over under, which is what? I've got 3.5 first down carries for whoever Arizona quarter, whoever is quarterbacking Arizona. Um, this can be scrambles or designed runs. It's just too hard to sort of differentiate. It's just uh, rushes 
that result in a first down for the Arizona quarterback. And the reason I am doing this one is because USC has a bad habit of giving up first down rushes to quarterbacks this season. Um, Shadur Sanders scrambled for four first downs. Stanford's Ashton Daniels and Justin Lamson uh, combined for five, but Lamson was the one who really got things going with four on his own when he came in. Uh, Chevin Cordero obviously ran for four first downs. So the only quarterbacks that haven't done anything of note on the ground against USC are Drew Pine, who we wouldn't have expected from anyways, and uh, Brendan Lewis from Nevada, mm-hmm. who had one first down run. Now, Noah Fafita is not necessarily a great runner. Um, Jaden Delora certainly is a little bit more dangerous with his We just legs. haven't seen it yet. He could be. That's you the thing know. is Fafita, it's not that Fafita can't move. It's that he didn't really, he, he didn't convert any first downs against Washington. He did have a few five yard runs. So, you know, he can, he can move if he needs to. Uh, but uh, I'm setting it at 3.5 just because so many quarterbacks have had four. Yeah. That's where I, I'm setting the line. I I like this um, line. I think it's I think it's good. I think it's smart. I get why you've done it, but you've set the line too high for me. Uh, I am taking the under as well. Uh, all your lines just slightly too high for me. <laughs> I'm taking the under. I'm a, I'm a little little too conservative on all of them. Uh, if Jaden Delore was the quarterback, I might take the over mm-hmm. though. Just FYI, just because yeah. he seems you know, willing enough to sort of, you know, take the ball with his, with it in his hands and try to get a first down at, at, at any means. It is just we'll funny. We'll see if Afita can do that too. It is just funny to me that, like, it's four or bust. Yeah. Every quarterback has either had four exactly or no more than one. Well, <laughs> uh, to be fair, ASU's quarterback, you didn't in, in, include uh, Bo Scatterboo. This is true. <laughs> both both Scadaboo definitely had his his uh, yeah. his wildcat you, uh, first down him, rushes. You know that's yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, let's go to my last over under, which is going to be eight and a half USC tackles for loss. Trojans lead the nation in tackles for loss, at least against FBS opponents. They're averaging nine point eight per game against Colorado. They had just eight, which is still very good, but the fewest since week one when they only had seven. Uh, the Wildcats are 46 in the country and allowing TFLs. Pretty pretty middling there. Better than average, but in the middle of, of the pack, certainly. Uh, but they've only allowed 4.6 per game. The line is at 8.5, which is double that. That's usually what SC does, though. 8.5. Tackles for loss for USC. It's a lot, but... This is just so high. This is just so high. Uh, USC is absolutely capable of it, obviously, like they're doing it most games. But I did I did kind of like the look of Arizona's offensive line from what I saw of them against against Washington. I thought they did a mm-hmm. pretty decent job of, of keeping things in front of them. Um, so I'm taking the under on this. It's just so high. I, I If it was 6.5, I might have considered... 7.5 maybe even but at 8.5 I just I just don't like it. I'm going under. Isn't this the the quintessential like proof that SC is the boom and bust defense? Yes. That they lead the country in tackles for loss and give up all those 20 plus yard plays? Yes. Like they they do both of those. Yeah. Uh which is which is just you know chef's kiss. Uh let's get to uh game predictions before we wrap this thing up. Uh, and go to the old mailbag. 
Uh, USC in Arizona, 7.30 p.m. ESPN. The Vegas spread 21.5 points in favor of the Trojans. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus projection as USC winning 43-24. Alicia, what's your score prediction? I'm going USC 42, Arizona 21. Um, I, I think USC's offense probably maybe puts up more points than 42. I'm just a little bit, I don't know, a little bit nervous just just about the way that Washington wasn't able to sort of have their way uh, with Arizona's defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that certainly makes me wonder how much of that was. Like I said, I'm not sure how much of that was Washington just being out of sorts because they were on the road. Yeah, and how much of what something that Arizona was doing was at least keeping things in front of them. Um, I have zero faith in USC's defense. Uh, I think there's. I don't know. If they hold Arizona to under 20 points, then then by God, good. Good job, guy. Good job. I'm just, I'm pretty much out on the defense. So, yeah. 21 even feels low. Like, I'm I'm probably being too generous at this point, considering how far out I am on the defense. Um, But, yeah. 42-21. So, no worry at all about about the upset alertness or trap game ahead of Notre Dame, any of those things. No. No. I... I don't know that this game will be a blowout the way that USC did against Stanford or Nevada, Mm -hmm. but I also don't think that this game will necessarily be in great doubt for very long. I, I basically feel the same way. Um, I have SC winning 52, 27. I think there will be points in it. I think SC scores a lot. Um, It's at home. I think the game control is way more in their favor than it was say the last two weeks, which certainly in the second half got a little squirrely. Um, I, SC probably jumps out, leads something like uh, 31, 10 at half. And then, uh, you know, gives it a touchdown in the fourth quarter, whatever. I 52, 27. That's what I got. And then SC goes six to no to uh, get ready for your uh, alma mater, Notre Dame next week. Yeah. Yeah, though I mean the look ahead is not nothing. It's it's certainly not nothing. It's it's something. It's definitely there for sure. Uh all right, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've got mail. All right. Uh, Let's start with a voicemail we got um, from Dan in Valley Village. Hey, Rana Troy. It's Dan from Valley Village. I was just finishing up the car cast on uh, uh, from Saturday, and you guys were chatting about people being more pessimistic and less um, celebratory of the team that we have now. And I think it, <laughs> I think there's a lot to do with maybe the circumstances and the 
teams that you may or may not have seen play in the past. For example, I was at SC from 98 through 02, and I was there with Paul Hackett, Barf, and we were the worst team in the Pac-10 at the time, and it was atrocious. I mean, it was just bad football, top to bottom. It was just misery. And, yeah, there were a few of us in the stands, but it was just because we're total fan nerds and couldn't not watch. But it was painful. And then you go into O2, I mean, that was Pete Carroll's first year, and, yeah, that was a little painful, too, a little clunky. And then to see the teams that have come after, I don't think, personally, I don't think there'll be ever a team that I would not look at as a great USC team. Compared with the team, you look back and you go, wow, we are not that. We are awesome. We're being talked about. We're not the sludge of the uh, Pac-10, and we're actually relevant. I am just – I'm flabbergasted that people take this team or any of our teams for granted like that. Um, I know I don't, and I think that, yes, this team's not perfect, but, again, I agree with both of you. To watch Caleb Williams and do his stuff is – is astounding and a moment that I re- I'll remember um, when he's in the NFL and we'll just be like, yeah, I saw him play when. Anyway, thanks again. Fight on. Thanks for the call, Dan. I've never related to a call more than this, I think, um, because I am a child who came up watching USC football in the 90s, and we talked about this before. Like, I watched USC before the Pete Carroll era, so – I, I've said this many times that like I, I joke about we, we joke about bowl eligibility like yeah SC can become bowl eligible on Saturday night right but like as a kid it was an exciting thing when SC got bowl eligible because like that wasn't a given and so like when I think of like I, I still remember the first time that uh, that I, I watched the thing where Herb Sheet was talking about Carson Palmer once and I'm, this is like 2001, and I'm like, oh my god, they're they're, they're talking about uh, about SC, like, oh my god, like, yes, and like, so to compare the like w- when you see you know some of the comments from like the the um the the car cast of like just the true dire and angst and everything, it's like slow down a little bit. Well, slow the, down. The thing that I want to reflect on a little bit is uh because i i'm I'm not i mean i'm a child of the 90s but i'm not a usc fan of the 90s i i didn't like sports until i was like 12 or 13 (laughs) until you went to notre dame yeah yeah um i didn't like sports until pete carroll and reggie bush and matt liner made me fall in love with with usc football and uh and i always credit them with that because i i didn't like the this watching sports i was mad at my dad and my brothers who would take up the TV and watch sports. I've said this many times. Um, but the thing is, I am a child of the Pete Carroll era mm-hmm. message boards. <laughs> and I can tell you, like, people look back on those years fondly. Absolutely. USC won national titles. USC was was a dominant force. Yeah. 
The people on message boards were big mad all the time through that entire era too. USC would be down at halftime every single week. People would talk about how USC didn't prepare properly. People complained about Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. People complained about Lane Kiffin, the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. People complained about the Pac-12 road opener always being a loss for USC and and, and uh, Pete Carroll not having the team ready. People com- people complained about this, that, and the other thing. Like there were a million complaints about about the Pete Carroll era during the Pete Carroll era. I remember arguing with people in like freaking 2009 about how they were saying that the USC should, USC should fire Pete Carroll. And I was just like, are you insane? Like, are you insane? And I was sort of proven right because Pete leaves and then look at, you know, look at what happens. You have to appreciate the the greatness that you have when you have it. You have to appreciate what is in front of you. And uh, people have a really hard time doing that because people are so fixated on the doom and gloom of like what they instead of focusing on what you are winning, people are focusing on the doom and gloom of what you might not win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the I was very young when USC was actually winning the national title. So I was far more conscious and present on in those message boards when USC was getting left out every year and people were complaining about USC getting left out every year. And and the UCLA loss that that keeps USC out of what what is almost certainly a national title win. Um, those things were all... Uh, Ron Burgundy in the chat is one of the one of the dudes that I was on the the WRSC message board with. It's all it's it's really cool seeing like the people from those times. But like that's that's the um, th- that's the sort of thing. Like people are always unhappy because people are just like stuck in their own well, it's, their it's, own minds. It's the sports talk trope, right? Yeah. Like, like the there's no there's nobody more famous on a on a on a football roster than the backup quarterback and all those sort of things, right? Like, yeah, I, I get it. I fully get it. Um, at the same time, SC's five and O people. And that's, and, that, and, and that's the other so. thing. The other thing I want to, I want to sort of like, uh, kind of, uh, kind of address, and we're just going to have to keep addressing this, but like, you know, in the, in the chat, Sagra says, um, you know, Alicia's not being optimistic. Cause I, I said the, the zero faith in, in USC's defense thing. Like, I think there's for me, there's a line that you can walk where um, you can like I my my hope would be that all USC finds USC fans are able to find a sweet spot where you can recognize the mm-hmm. sort of like privilege of the position that we're currently in, especially knowing what it's like to have Clay Helton as your head coach and even like what it's like to have Steve Sarkeesian uh, in that time in his life as your head coach or Lane Kiffin as your head coach in that time of his life. Um, Having been through all of those things to understand and recognize the, the, the really strong position that USC is in at the current moment, while also sort of being able to turn around and acknowledge that like, yeah, the defense is a problem. I, I I don't have any way to defend the defense. I I, pro- I basically what happened is today I spent a lot of times time in the stats pulling together our our um our rundown and our our graphics for the for the YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. And it got me down on the defense real bad, guys. It did mm-hmm. real bad. At the same time, like I'm not sitting here saying that USC is a is a t- this is not even the worst USC team. This is not even in the top five worst teams that of the USC like the last decade for USC. So, like don't don't get it don't get it twisted. Well, um, I I know there's the sentiment of like not wanting to waste Caleb Williams and all this stuff. 
And yeah, I thoroughly agree. Yeah, you don't want to waste Caleb Williams. It, yeah, you absolutely don't want to. At the same time, don't let the frustration of not wanting to waste him pass you by the opportunity to like cherish him being here at the same time. You know what I mean? Like there's the, like you said, there's the duality of, of both things. Uh, appreciate that SC has this incredible offense uh, and has a coach that everyone in America wants and all those things at the same time, be critical of everything else because you should be critical of everything. In yeah, life. You're you allowed should. to be critical. Yeah. I, 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 back to message board speak. One of the things that always frustrated me is the idea of like sunshine pumpers and doom and gloomers. Right. And it's like, por que no los like middle. <laughs> um, well, it, Jamie the... Gage in the chat says Pete Carroll's defense gave up 40 plus to Fresno state. Yeah. Like, Pete Carroll Pete Carroll is the is the best head coach that I've ever seen at USC absolutely wonderful head coach who I would you know in a heartbeat would love to 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 have back at USC um but also like yeah he missed a million opportunities guys like he wasted um, Mark Sanchez, he wasted the greatest defense in USC history and one of the greatest potentially greatest defenses in the history of college football he wasted that in 2018 because he didn't figure out how to stop. I'm sorry, 2008 because he couldn't figure out how to stop Jacquez Rogers for a half. Right. Like he wasted um, a, a, a team in 2007 on 2006. They should have like murdered Ohio State in the championship game, but they didn't lose to a bad UCLA team, yes. 13 to nine. Yeah, right? sorry, like, it was 2006, 13 to nine. Like that loss was inexplicable. It made no sense. It was. Yeah. It was a. It was a like a a mismanagement on every level. Like, but that's sort of the point. Even the best head coaches are not perfect all the time. Like you have to, you have to give some grace. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I want to get to a question we got from uh, your five head and there's two questions here back to back. And I want to sort of address both of these. First one says, let me ask you all this. If USC basically became what Oklahoma was under Lincoln Riley, who's happy question mark. Heisman trophies, 11 win seasons, but no national titles. Followed by who thinks Riley is sticking around to play LSU Michigan uh, next year uh, on the schedule without Caleb. Okay. I I need to address this. Like <laughs> when SC hired Lincoln Riley, like, do you want me to play the, the rave line clip of like eight minutes of SC fans losing their mind because of what Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma and what they wanted him to do here. Like he won 11 games every year, multiple Heisman trophies, like repeated in the, the playoff, gone to the playoff multiple times, by like, the way, repeated everything he did every single year. Like, uh, yes, people would be like, people should be happy with that because that's what people wanted. That's the reason Lincoln Riley got hired. Every single coach and I mean, every single team in America would have wanted Lincoln Riley. And you can look back and say, well, oh, Lincoln Riley didn't do enough because he didn't win national titles. The only teams winning national titles the last few years are Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson. Like, everybody else has not done it. Like, it's extremely difficult. And this idea that, like, oh, well, Lincoln Riley's not going to stick around when Caleb Williams is gone. Did... Do you not realize he had Baker Mayfield for three years and then went out 
And he had gotten Kyler Murray a couple years before, stashed him on the roster from Texas A&M, and then won the Heisman and beat all his records the next season. And then he went out and got the national championship winning quarterback from Alabama, Jalen Hurts, and did the same thing the year later and almost won another Heisman trophy. Like, he replicates the thing over and over and over again. So this idea that, like, a, he's not going to win with Caleb Williams, and so then, you know, the 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 window to win is gone. Is I'm sorry, it's bullshit because we've seen Lincoln Riley reload year after year. Like that, that's what his track record is. And yes, you can sit here and talk about the defense, and the defense absolutely limits his ability to win a national championship, and all of those things. And there's valid criticisms. There was a comment in the chat about like. You know, SC is 98th in, in some some sort of defensive stat, and we haven't played anybody yet, and all those things. Yes, you should be upset about those, and you should you should you know want the defense to be better, but like have some sort of overall picture to where everything is. Like this idea that Lincoln Riley was a pumpkin the whole time is like this, like it is weird, like retconning that doesn't need to happen, like. What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I, I would take eleven wins for the next ten years. I'm just, I'm just saying because I've lived through not taking eleven wins. Yeah, like uh, I, that's just sort of where I'm at. But uh, no, this isn't uh, eleven win purgatory. Should bother you like after the year five? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk you know in what I five mean? years. Exa- yeah, exactly. Um, this isn't a Sam Darnold championship window situation for USC. Like. Like right. you, like yeah. you said, the, this isn't a one-off. Like once you have Sam Darnold, you will no longer win anything. Uh, situation. That's just sort of not what it is. Well, all I want from Lincoln Riley is to recognize that that his defensive coordinator needs to change and to make and to make a good hire. That's uh, and and if he does that, then we're we're having a different conversation. Uh, the NFL talk is the NFL talk. I still maintain that if he wanted to go to the NFL, he would have just gone to the NFL. Um, that's sort of where I'm at on that, uh, but uh, who knows? Uh, if if that happens, then he's going to the NFL, and USC's in a, a position where they have to make a new hire and go back through the cycle of, well, every hire in college football is 50-50, and good luck with that, and, and then everyone's sitting here screaming if USC doesn't make the right hire and, and yeah. you know... Wishing for the good old I, days when Lincoln Riley was, you know, eleven and one or ten and two at USC, and his defense was giving up fifty points a game. Like, you so know. if he if he did go to the NFL, first of all, it means that NFL coaches, NFL teams, uh, like again what he's that doing, he's which doing just validates what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, secondly, i i don't I, I don't think that the allure to the NFL is what it used to be. Uh, in part because he makes so much money right now, he's going to go to the NFL and make it like it, it's a lateral lateral move financially for less power. And one of the critiques about Lincoln Riley that you could have is things like wanting to like control the media, right? Or wanting mm-hmm. to con- control like talk about injuries or like you know any of these things. People say that he's you know too indebted to. To Alex Grinch, but he has the the, the ability to whether or not he is and uh, keeps Alex Grinch on on staff and all those things, right? In the NFL, you lose that power. Why would he go to the NFL 
And like I, I just he should I, also just look at the history of college football coaches. Who exactly, go to the NFL. none of them have panned out, the, the exception of Pete Carroll. Well, and what was and Pete, Pete Carroll was an and, NFL guy before? And what was Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll was an NFL guy who landed yeah. in college because he had no other options. Like it's it's very very different. It there there are no he was a good college head coach and became a good NFL head coach examples yeah. to be found. Yeah. anywhere so lbc robbie says with this offensive fantasy happy nfl he's gonna get calls yeah i think yeah, he will yeah. absolutely i think he'll get calls yeah. i just i i don't think it's a given that he will absolutely uh that he will take those calls but I, and like i said if he does guess what i don't have any control over it and i just have to go and sit and wait for usc to hire a new coach and then right. hope that that gets done well like you know it's i i think his next job is most likely in the nfl um i like i would bet on that than the alternative but like I don't necessarily think it's going to be this quick. Uh, if it is, it is. But like I, I don't know. I just I don't think it's worth overly stressing about at this point. No. To be to be quite honest, uh, let's go to a question from Cameron. Uh, what Clay Helton, Helton symptoms are you seeing in Lincoln Riley so far this year? Such as stubbornness, loyalism, uh, coach speak. What symptoms can be resolved uh, from Lincoln Riley? Um. I saw somebody in the chat who said, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, who said something about how, like, USC fans just went through the Clay Helton, um, the, the the sort of coach speak of Clay Helton. And I think there's something to that, that, that USC fans are maybe a little bit less patient on the coach speak front because the coach speak that Clay Helton did got so many people so frustrated and upset. Uh, so I think that, that Lincoln would be served to just not, but he's a coach. He's going to coach speak. And ultimately yeah, the coach speak is just sort of what you get. It's one of the reasons why, you know, when I was on the, the beat and, and sort of doing interviews, I got really disillusioned even with the, the, the process of, of speaking to coaches. Cause it was like, well, we're going to ask questions and they're just going to give us answers that don't mean anything. And then people are just going to get mad at like us for not asking the questions that get meaningful answers. But it's like the coaches are just like, they don't have to give you meaningful answers. It's not, they're not going to answer those it's, questions. It's not their anyways. job. Yeah. Like that, that, that's not, it's, you know, you, you don't get the meaningful answers until for, for anybody, by the way, uh, that's for anyone that's smart and doesn't want to cause a ruckus, which none of these coaches should want or players should want to cause a ruckus, uh, you don't get those answers until way down the line when they're so removed from it that they could feel like they can speak freely. So um, the only thing that I would say is I think Lincoln's coach speak could be a little bit... Um, he could do with just being maybe a little bit more just la la like you know whatever we're we're just doing whatever instead of saying things like it takes a trained eye to to see what's going on with the defense because like that yeah. felt insulting yeah um but uh, it, it felt know, it felt like frustra frustration it yeah. speaking yeah he could be less defensive is what is sort of what i'm saying right yeah i i agree um that the the other thing is like that most coaches are the same way, like, especially, um, you know, uh, at the, at the highest level, like every single coach is, um, 
gives frustrating press conferences is uh, is ornery or like any of those things. Like that, like that is a that's a thing that you see all over the place. Um, doesn't it's not an excuse. Uh, certainly, um, I do think that like SC had it really good with Pete Carroll. Like Pete Carroll was uh, had a lot of you know charisma and. Uh, a lot of uh, quotes and you know fire you up in a in a press conference and all those things. Uh, I know that people felt that way with Coach O too, and there's not many of there's not many coaches like that. There yeah. there just there there really isn't. LBC Robbie in the chat says this is why I don't understand the new interview the coach after every timeout thing. Like yeah, has a coach ever said anything interesting going no. into or out of halftime? No. Have has it ever been something that's been not no. nothing more than in one ear out the other? Did did you see the 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 Chip Kelly um thing about where he was given the the reporter something about like uh you know credit for having it was a question about the the clock situation like the new timing rules is like something about like I, i'm sure sure you guys love it with more commercials or whatever yeah. like <laughs> yes that's yeah. Ex- yeah yes there you go perfect but yeah it, unless it's some sort of injury thing about like is the quarterback going to come back in mm-hmm. like yeah there, there's you're not going to get anything anything out of those sort of uh, ones the baseball ones are the worst. The ones that they record in the middle of the inning and then play back uh, a minute later. Yeah, those are yeah. horrible. Um, La Fred says, "What's to be read from Malik Brown being back at practice, if anything?" Um, I, I I'm not reading anything into it. I, I think I, you could look at it the most pessimistic way possible and say that maybe that means that like the Zachariah branch injury is, is more serious than it's being let on to be, Mm. but I wouldn't read it that way. No, I I just think that even if he's going to transfer, even if he's just taking a red shirt, it, it behooves him to be practicing Yeah, for the future of his career. He's better off practicing. Yeah. Uh, David Orange County says, is it concerning that Dietrich has one horrible snap per game? What can we attribute that to? Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's something. I don't, centers, definitely concerning. Centers and their weird snap issues, I feel like the kind of thing that's just like, is it the yips? I don't know. Does it need to be worse to call it the yips? Or is it just like a weird thing with snapping? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, there was a comment during Over Under about doing a line on bad snaps that that's a good one it's just so i might save that for next week it's just so hard to set those lines because then we have to like go through and and make what is a bad snap a fumbled snap a snap over the head like like if if stat broadcast doesn't uh doesn't have that stat the chances of me making it an over under are are getting lower and lower if it's a high snap but it's not a fumble snap is that a bad (laughs) like i don't know like one of those things yeah uh, Roman Murdy says, if you were flying the wall between discussions between Riley and Grinch, what do you think they're talking about? I, <laughs> what I would pay to be a fly on the wall to see an actual candid, like in private conversation between the two of them after that game, after that Colorado game, like what I would give to be in the room where they are going through the, 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 the tape of that game. I, I can't imagine. It, it would it would be fascinating. It really yeah. would. Especially because seemingly then you would know what the play call was too. And then you'd be able to understand like 
okay, was there was there a mistake with how the play call came in? Was it was it just a bad decision on the play call? Was it a player screwing it up? Was it multiple players? Like, what is the context for like this this massive error that happens? Right? Like, yeah, you'd learn those things, which would be which would be fascinating. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the reality is they they just want to fix this too. Like they yeah. they yeah. they don't want to be in this situation either. Uh, Wagner says, is it possible that Riley actually thinks that the defense is good and doesn't see the deficiencies or is he just too loyal to Grinch and can't bring himself to replace him? I suspect when they're in those rooms watching the tape, they are often enough able to say that play broke down because of an individual player making a mistake, a missed tackle, a missed assignment, a missed thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that that is happening often enough that they are able to convince themselves that it is the player's fault and well, not. We talked about this after the Nevada game, right? The whole, I, I don't want to bring this up a million times, but I, I know that I keep doing it. The, the three yard three plays were half their yards kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's very easy to chalk that up and say, well, yeah, well, if we made the three plays there, like uh, if the Jackson doesn't get beat down the sideline. And then if, uh, if Anthony Beavers doesn't get beaten here, and then if uh, so-and-so could wraps up this tackle there, mm-hmm. like everything else is working. So clearly the scheme is working if we just execute. Yeah. I absolutely think that that plays a you role there. You have players Be- saying that. You have Bryce, what, yeah, Bryson Shaw passionately saying. Yeah. saying that in the media, that it's the players yeah. that need to step up for, for Grinch, that they're hanging him out to dry. And it's like, okay, yes, I, I, I fully understand how you can talk, how you can see that. Mm-hmm. But that's well, especially that's when they lead the, the country in tackles for loss, right? Like, yeah, it's easy to to buy into those things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just about seeing the whole picture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John says, "Would you rather play a banged up Delara or a healthy Fafita?" Mm, um, when you put it that way, I think you probably take a banged up anybody. Probably a banged up Delara because Delara is already mistake prone maybe and he, banged up players tend to make more mistakes. Maybe That's, he doesn't run as much. Yeah. Can't run, has trouble planting maybe. On, yeah. Yeah, I think you take the banged up, banged up Delara. Yeah. E- either way, I, I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too bullish on it. SC's like chances here this week, especially given how the defense has played the last two weeks. But... I, I do think that, like, it's a good... It's not the worst situation. They're not the worst options. Is having a guy making his first road start or a gunslinger who's prone to ma- to making mistakes potentially not be at 100%. Yeah. Like, it, those aren't the worst two outcomes either way. Yeah. Um, Famous last words, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Lamont says... Um, this is a statement. I've never seen so many complaints of a five and O team. Uh, we were four and eight. I prefer this team over what we watched with Helton. Uh, if uh, CLR leaves to follow Caleb, uh, can you really blame him? What, what do you think about this, this idea that like uh, Lincoln Riley could feel unappreciated here? I don't buy that. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't I don't really either. I, I don't think, I I see what Lamont is saying here and I I yeah. totally I totally get it. I don't buy it in the sense of like 
you can't imagine that you'd go anywhere else and get it better. Considering if you go to the NFL, like you could get fired after year one in the NFL. Here's the thing. Uh, it's not like Lincoln in Oklahoma didn't get tons of criticism as well. Right. For the same reasons that he's also, getting them remember, here. The difference is that when you are in Norman, Oklahoma, you can't escape that. The thing that everyone mm-hmm. coaches players, the reason they like playing in Los Angeles coaching in Los Angeles is mm-hmm. you can fade away into the crowd. You are yeah. not the most famous person in the room 90% of the time. So well, if you're Lincoln Riley and that's the thing that's bugging you, like you should stay in Los Angeles because mm-hmm. you're not going to be the subject of, uh, of the fervor. Like you go to the SEC, it just means more all that yeah. BS. But like they are more rabid over there. You can't escape it over there. Uh, whereas in LA, like people, Lincoln Riley's not getting recognized half the time in LA because well, half of LA doesn't like doesn't pay attention to sports. But but I think the the other side is like, and we just had this conversation with friends the other day. Unless you're on the Lakers, I think any celebrity, just about any celebrity, with the exception of like being a Laker, can go out in LA and have no problem. Yeah. Relatively no problem. Like, okay, maybe not like an A, maybe not like George Clooney or something, right? But like, and the reason I say except for the Lakers is because they're tall. Yeah. Like they, they, they can't they, blend in. They can't blend in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like LeBron is, LeBron is, is only getting so much anonymity, but even yeah. LeBron, I'm sure can find, uh, can find ways to, to increase his, his anonymity or increase his sort of comfortability with not having to deal with all of that. Like, right. But, but yeah. I think that you, you go to the NFL and I think that you're, you're facing, you know, calls after re- week one, just like of angry, uh, uh, bears fans, yeah. right? Like bears fans, you know, yeah, th- there might be some sort of like honeymoon period for like two weeks then you lose to the Packers and it's not going to be a honeymoon period anymore. So like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. And then the other thing you talked about uh, with with uh, with Norman and think w- what happened in Oklahoma. Yeah, people were critical of of him in Oklahoma, and they were also so mad that they made it their entire personality to hate Lincoln Riley for leaving. Mm-hmm. When Notre Dame people were genuinely happy that, that Brian <laughs> Kelly left, yeah, as evident by them not giving a crap, right? Like, yeah. That's that's you know a different different story there. Uh, okay, rapid fire on these last ones. Greg says uh, which transfer has exceeded your expectations and which one has not met them. Uh, honestly, Bear Alexander. Uh, I was expecting Bear to come in and have a few moments of, of brilliance, but not sort of be an instant impact the way that he has. Uh, so he has exceeded my expectations. Um, uh, in terms of underperformed. I, I think it's it's gotta be it's gotta be Mason Cobb to me. Um just because I, I really needed him to come in and be a stabilizing force for the linebackers and he hasn't been. Yeah, I, I think maybe there was too much yeah, probably. expectations put on Cobb. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, I think I think Cobb's the, the right one for the disappointing one. Um if he can build on the Colorado game, I think that'd be huge. Mm-hmm. Um the one who has exceeded expectations, I I th- I think it is Bear. I, I think it is Bear Alexander, especially when you compare him to 
the other guys with high expectations like Anthony Lucas and Jack Sullivan who haven't necessarily had the big impact that Per Alexander has had. Yeah, I mean, Jack Sullivan's another one that... Um, I know there's a lot of people that want to see him out on the field. More. Yeah, I just feel like he hasn't he hasn't been out there. And the fact that he hasn't been out there is probably an issue. Uh, but also, my expectations for him were not nearly as high as they were for Mason Cobb. So, Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, all right, let's go to a question from Sager. Uh, for me, set the tone for your Saturday night. Maybe a beer, some chicken tenders on the recliner. How does it shake out? Oh, before we answer this, uh, Jerome in the chat said Marshawn Lloyd. That is a yes. I, oh. it's almost, I almost forgot that Marshawn Lloyd hasn't been here all along at USC. This is true. Um, yeah, Marshawn Lloyd. The, the answer is Marshawn yeah. Lloyd. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think that Marshawn Lloyd would become my favorite, my favorite football player of all time in the matter of four yeah. weeks. Wow, so. and you forgot him. <laughs> you know? Unbelievable. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, what's my Saturday night look like? Um, I don't know. Maybe I get some, some chips, make up some nachos. That would be fun. Yeah, little nacho nights. Nacho nights. Um, we were just talking, you, you know, what I need is for somebody to realize that, you know, like the smack, the snack pack of chips where it comes with like Cheetos and Doritos and, and Lay's and blah, blah, blah. I need that, but of tortilla chips because the, I want tortilla chips all the time, but I don't want to buy a big bag of tortilla chips because I'm not going to consume the big bag of tortilla chips when we're just at home, like we're not having a party. Uh, or we would consume them and that would be bad because we just go through them too quickly. Like I need a portion controlled snack bag of tortilla chips, just plain like Tostitos or something like that that I can just have in the house that when I feel like having a thing of nachos, I just have a bag or when I feel like doing a dip or something like that, I just have a bag, but that it's just like, it doesn't exist. Why does that not exist? First of all, it's because mass produced tortilla chips are bad. Um, even the, the, like the mission ones, not great. Uh, mission is the best of, well, the on the border ones are probably the best one, but like, even then, like not great. Um, so I think that's a, a big factor. The the second thing is tortilla chips are something you can just run through. The idea of like being able to eat just three of them. Are you crazy? Yeah, but that's why uh, like I that's why I don't buy the big bag because I it, we're either going I mean, to waste them or eat them all in one go, and it's sure. gonna be like, well, that's not good. Yeah, Sagar says nachos, fantastic call. I I agree. I think that might be the move. Now that, you should have picked up chips when you're at I costco did, i didn't pick up chips when i was at costco i thought yeah. about it but you know why i didn't do them because the ones they have are like the the mission the bag of mission ones yeah. strips that i don't really care for so we need to pop over to like by arthur or something yeah uh sj in the chat says if sc is upset i'll eat uh a pickle dipped in honey mustard <laughs> there SJ, you go. we're holding we're holding you to that we're holding you to that i don't know if you would find that necessarily unpleasant uh, I certainly would for one of, one of those elements, and I know Michael would for both of those elements. So, uh, yeah, there's the talk about the Santitas chips. I don't think I've had those. They're too seasoned for me. Okay. Not 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 like it's too seasoned, like it's too spicy or anything. Like too I much just salt? think that there's there. It's just a little. It it's just a little too they're, manufactured. They're not enough of a plain based. Um, no, not or... in that sense. They're, they just they just taste too mass produced. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. 
but um, but at the same point, like I like the ones from the you know Ralphs or whatever that you just get the big bag. Mm-hmm. But like those have sucked lately where we've had them. Well, but so, but so those are also like you get the big bag and then you have to like portion them out if you're gonna actually keep them. They don't they don't keep very well once you open them, in my opinion. So yeah. Cameron says the salt is the best part. I get it. I just, I, I, it's just, I, I'm probably describing it wrong, like how I don't like, it's, yeah. I like them salty. It's just that there's something about those chips that just don't do you it don't for like me. don't like the salt that they use. I maybe. like that they have a big $2 thing on the bag and you get a big ass bag for two bucks. I, that's a, that's clutch, but like, they're just, they're just not my, my favorite type of, uh, of, uh, tortilla chips. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Also, tostitos, tostitos suck, but that's tostitos it. are fine. Like they're just fine. They're mm, not bad. Not great. Tosti- tostitos, great name, bad chip. So, all right, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we will be back with the car cast uh, pretty immediately following uh, the the game on Saturday night, USC and Arizona. Uh, you know how to reach us? Email address randofdrivefansite dot com. Phone number two one. Th- no, sorry, phone number. <laughs> 818-643-7227 uh, is, the, uh, is the phone number. Uh, you can call us into the rant line, the rave line, whatever you want it to be. It's there. It's always open. You can call it. Uh, leave us your voicemails there. Uh, for our members, you can always join us, $4.99 a month. Uh, if you watch this long, I think, I think we, you owe us a like on the video, I think, and at least a subscribe. Uh, if you want to be super awesome, you can become a member four ninety nine dollars a month to get all of our bonus content, including Thursday nights, right after dark. Uh, we'll be live right after dark, Thursday night, 9 p.m. Uh, it'll be fun, so come join us there. And you get access to the Discord as well. So that is a grand old time as well. So uh, until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. Jesse, see ya. <laughs> We said this earlier in the day, she and she, she literally stopped and like, what? <laughs> it was great. Okay, bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.